Welcome back. It is Smart Talk Season 2, Episode 2. Austin Garrett is back. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Nothing's going on, really. Uh, we have, like, an entire uh, Smart Squad that's on IR right now. So uh, we were hoping to have some of some other uh, of our members join us, but we're the only two healthy ones that can go tonight. Thankfully, nothing LITR. It's all, you know, it's all short-term, day-to-day. They'll be back. We're going to call them all, all lower body injuries, like the or upper body injuries. Like, do you remember how, like, um, like I don't, I can't even remember if the NHL still does it. Like, do they do, like, oh, well, uh, everything's like an upper body injury, concussion, upper body. <laughs> like, like, everything is, like, hush-hush, like, upper body. And I can't watch remember. A, watch a guy take a putt to the leg, and they're like clearly holding their leg, and they're like, "It's a lower body injury." Like we know exactly what he hurt. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly, exactly. But um, I, yeah, they're the day to day. They will be back. Uh, do not worry about uh them uh long term. Um, worry about some of them unless you want to. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you got to have some fun. <laughs> hey, look, I, eventually we're going to get Matt or Jordan or one of the new guys on here, and it's going to be hilarious. So, yeah. So last week we kind of talked about, um, you know, initial thoughts, things like that. We're kind of diving into ranking stuff. I know for um, us, rankings will come, be coming out in about three weeks' time. So, um, but before we get there, Josh, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of like what's going on uh, outside of just the prospect world. And um, I know you brought up to me that you were kind of interested in talking a little about Shane Wright. Um, yeah, so... Um... Well, at this point, it's not really going to be anything new. I mean, um, you know, I mean, new that you haven't already heard uh, from my good buddies, uh, Tony Ferrari and Stephen Ellis, uh, who both have, um, sorry, who both put out a really great post over the last few days, um, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on with Shane Wright and his lack of playing time. And he's been, uh, healthy scratched a few times now. Um, yeah, so, you know, so when, you know, when you, you know, when you have players at, you know, at Shane Wright's age or, you know, I mean, I mean, you really got to get them on the ice. Um, and so having him sit up stairs, you know, isn't, you know, isn't really doing much for his development. And so at this point, you really should send him back if you're not going to play him. And, um, yeah, so that's my two cents. Um, I would love to see Shane Wright play at the, the, at the NHL, um, level, but you know, you know, there were a few nights where he was getting what, like six, seven minutes of ice time and that's it. Like, like Shane Wright was, I mean, I mean, he was our number one overall 
uh, prospect last year, without a doubt. And I, 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 I don't know. Like you know, I, I don't know what's going on. But you know, you guys, you guys really have to make up your mind because it's frustrating me as a, um, you know, as a as a fan of uh prospects you know and prospects development i you know and i just don't want to see this hurt um shane right so um you know any you know anytime that a, that a player sits on the shelf for that long you know it's going to it's going to hurt their confidence and uh, yeah i agree i think it's um it's it's hard with a chl agreement um because you know, I, I don't think any uh, any pick was really ready to make the leap to go right to the NHL for full-time minutes uh, last year. Like, uh, great prospects, but I, I really thought this would be a slow burn for, like, Wright, uh, Slavkowski was picked, you know, like, Juracek just got called up. We're going to talk about him in a second. Um, but, you know, it's you being a Buffalo fan, you, you kind of got to see the maturation of Jack Quinn and, and J.J. Paterka last year in the H- uh, AHL. Um, it's something that Shane Wright's not going to get it, get, you know, you know, as a parent, you know, with a, a kid playing travel hockey, like my own personal philosophy is like, get your kid playing as much ice time as possible in the role that you think he's going to play in and then play at that, the highest level that he's going to get that, that role, you know? Um, so like for my kid, that might be not playing triple A hockey where he's going to be a depth player and seeing every other shift or being asked to play defensive role when he wants to be an offensive player, like put him in a lower division, you know? Um, I think Shane Wright's too good for the OHL. Um, I think that they're struggling to find him, like trying to get him to adapt to the NHL. Um, but these, this is the price you pay when you when you put him up there, right? You you got to expect the mistakes if you're gonna if you're gonna play him. So you give him the ice time, let him let him see himself. I mean, even if it's a nine game sample size, give him 11, 13 minutes a night instead of the five to seven he's getting. And on you know. I mean, and if they decide to send him back to the OHL, you know, he's in a prime position to go tear it up and and have one heck of a year. I mean, what, he would have only, what, he would have missed maybe 10 OHL games, 12, I mean, 12 OHL games? Like, I mean, like, you know, there's still, you know, there's still three quarters of a season to go at this point. And he and and he could just tear the OHL up, regain hit, regain his confidence, um, you know, and come back next season and um, you know, and uh, you know, and hit the ground running, um, you know, because I mean, I mean, for Seattle, for Seattle Kraken fans, like Ben Ears and Shane Wright are your future one two, you know, um, uh you know, centers down the middle, like, like, like those are your guys. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about this topic and, you know, while it, you know, while it is kind of painful, um, for us, you know, um, you know, to put it into, you know, the perspective of a Kraken fan, like this, this is your investment because you spent a fourth. I mean, sorry, because you spent your fourth overall pick on Shane Wright, and you know, 
when you do that, like you don't want him, like you don't want to lose his confidence. You don't want the, you don't want that to happen. So and conversely, um, you know, like as a Buffalo fan watching the game, but right before we hopped on this podcast, you know, it's you watch like Jack Quinn playing on the fourth line, or you watch uh, Peyton Krebs playing on the fourth line, and you know, um, and there's just players ahead of him in the lineup that you're kind of like, why? If we're gonna stick this kid here, like we might as well get rid of a kid above him, like that, and give him the shot if they're like equal, you know. So, I think that it, we're in this mode in Buffalo right now, and I think Seattle's in the same way where you can be patient. You know, there's no expectations of of making a move. You're you don't, no one's expecting Buffalo or Seattle to make the playoffs this year. So I feel like being patient, they can do that, but eventually you, the barriers in front of a, these young prospects. It, it's a risk reward kind of thing. You're either going to have to remove move them, like move a player to get them over, or, or reduce roles. Um, and that's always a hard, hard, hard position to be in. But um, you know, but you know, seeing Jack Quinn get scratched, seeing Marco Rossi get scratched this year, you know, uh, these young guys are just gonna—they'll slowly get worked into it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, exactly. So let's move on from Shane Wright. Um, and let's talk about David Yurichek. So, uh, David Yurichek is set to make his, uh, sorry is set to make his NHL bu- uh, debut. Um, well, uh, basically t- today because by you know by the time I put out the podcast, it's you know it's going to be uh, t- tomorrow. We are recording this third Thursday night. Um. um and he's going to be be uh, facing off against the Boston Bruins, um, which I think is an interesting matchup because, oh man, David Yurichek, he plays bumper car hockey, and that's going to be interesting to see against the Bruins in his NHL de- de- debut. Like for me, as like a prospect fan, that is must see. TV, te- I mean, tonight, uh, tonight, yes, tonight, because I'm, yeah, we're recording Thursday, yes, <laughs> tonight, <laughs> that game could get physical, and, uh, you know, David, you know, David Yurchek can be a pest, um, you know, can, you know, can be a pest along the boards, um, you know, expect open ice hits, you know, that is David Yurichek. And it's gonna get fun. Yeah, and I, I mean, he's—I haven't really watched um, him this year in the AHL, but um, you know, I, I will say that like we, he was a—we were huge fans of him last year. And um, this is early. I'll be honest with you; I did not think he would be playing as an 18-year-old in the NHL. Um, so I think it's going to—I I have. I have very little expectations, if that makes sense, Josh. Like, I, I feel like going into next year, tomorrow, I did, I want to see if he could just hold his hold his own and uh, see what what he, how much confidence he gets offensively to to really kind of. I watching these the young defenders kind of grow up in the NHL. I feel like the thing that you could always depend on that they can gain confidence in is their offensive game. The defensive game usually takes some time, um, adjusting to NHL level talent, the NHL level pace, like you can expect mistakes and things like that, processing decisions that get ramped up. Um, I'm just hoping he comes in with the same kind of offensive confidence he's been showing since he came back from the leg injury. Uh, leg injury. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so I'm, yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward 
uh, to watching tomorrow night. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, um, so yeah, so that's Shane Wright, David Yerchak. Let's move on to 2023 NHL draft eligible prospects. And one second. Sorry about that. Um, Izzy, my black lab, um, popped up and uh, ran downstairs. And um, I thought, and I, and I thought she was freaking out um, um, about um, about my wife coming home, but that is not the case. Um, so she's just randomly happy. Um, I love awesome. my doggy. Good girl. Um, so yeah, so um, we're talking about 2023 NHL draft eligible prospects. So yes. Um, so we, so yeah, we were talking the other day and, and uh, we d- d- decided upon one topic. Um, uh, well, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. One idea for the podcast. And that is to do kind of like a, kind of like a players trending up players trending down. Um, uh, deal. Um, yeah. so yeah. So, um, uh, how about you go first? Um, sure. I know we, we were talking. Josh was like, uh, hey, what are we going to do for the podcast this week? And I was like, I'm knee deep in rankings uh, stuff. I was like, the only thing I can really tell you is who I'm really moving up and really moving down uh, this <laughs> right now at this time. And uh, So just so for, for clarification for anyone listening, um, we're, we're doing a top 32 uh, to start in November. So um, I've been kind of like weeding down um, – I started the summer, kind of had a list of about 48 prospects that I thought could be first round, and I've kind of been weeding through those the, the last month um, uh, through some tracking, some some individual game stuff to kind of feel like uh, who in North America I think should be a first round draft pick, or or we should grade as a first round draft pick. So, um, so yeah, I'll go first. I'll I'll start. Uh, we said two up, two down. I'll start with one. And I'll I'll kick one over to you, and we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, my first one that actually I was shocked. Um, I'm a, and he he's in my little group of uh, favorite prospects, but he was towards the back end of uh, the teens, early twenties, uh, coming into this kind of tracking exercise. And you know, after going through his stuff uh, the last week, he's kind of risen to almost top ten ish. But uh, we'll see what the Europeans look like when those come. And that's uh, Gavin Brindley uh, from the University of Michigan. So. Uh, track the game against Boston, uh, the game where they lost, and then track the game against Lindenwood as well, the game that was close, not the one they blew them out. And there are a couple things that really stick out from Gavin Brindley's game that are kind of impressive to me um, that I didn't see coming from last year's tape from the uh, U18s that were there last year. Uh, a couple data points that really stuck out to me. One, uh, in terms of five-on-five five or even strength uh, individual shot attempts, he is second in the entire data set in terms of five-on-five five total shots taken. And that's with usually two minutes left. So I haven't done per 60s yet. So um, he's about two minutes less than the average right now ice time. He's got he's just trailing Connor Bedard in total shots per game. Of those shots, 82% of them are coming from dangerous areas of the ice. He has a 90% control rate for uh, transition. He is uh, involved in 47% of all the successful trans- offensive tra- zone transitions uh, for Michigan. He plays on a great line with Jackson Hallam and Rucker McGrady as well. 
I'd say the biggest thing or concern uh, that keeps him from really kind of popping off right now from a data standpoint is that only about 9% of his passes are going to dangerous areas. So he gets to the ice, he gets to the dangerous areas, but he shoots it every single time, <laughs> at least five on five. Uh, with space on the power play, I, I, I'm sorry to bring up the power play, Josh. Um, but on the power play, he, he you can see a little bit more uh, flash and creativity when he has the space. But when he is getting there five on five, he's taking the shot every single time right now. Um, but I'm really just super impressed. He's always been a great defensive forward. Uh, you saw it at the U18s last year. Um, you saw it when he played for Tri-City. It's continued as he's run this as a second-line center for Michigan this year, right behind Fantilli. Uh, when you compare his data set for the same same two games between Fantilli and Brindley, the biggest difference between the two of them, honestly, is points. Um, Brindley, during that, that time frame right there, has one point. Fantilli has four. But if you take, like, what Fantilli was doing in terms of um, like the data set for, for both of them. Fantilli has less shot attempts, five on five, less dangerous shot attempts, uh, lower passing percentage, lower controlled entry percentage, uh, better defensively. Let's start there. But uh, also Fantilli is also has Mackie Samuskevich, who is a huge line driver uh, regardless in the NCAA right now. So big caveat, I'm not saying Brindley is better than Fantilli, but super impressed uh, with Gavin Brindley to start the year. Um, I did not expect him to be able to carry his own line on a second line center role in the NCAA as a freshman. Um, who is your trending down player? Uh, my <laughs> my one trending down player, um, I'm going to stay in the NCAA. I'm going to say Charlie Strammel. Um, I know on the last podcast, um, I kind of talked about Charlie line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if you want me, I'll, I'll move on to a different one. Uh, I'll, no, uh, no, 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 it's okay. I got, no, got a couple. No, 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 keep going. I won't. No, so Charlie Stramel was someone I, I kind of saw, uh, I talked about it last podcast in a Cutter Gauthier role last year um, when he played with the U18s. I saw him developing into more of like a, a power forward with skill who would be able to transition the puck, uh, might be better down on the wing playing, uh, using his size on the boards, but would have the skill enough to like be a plus play in transition and passing situations. Um, but through two games, and I'm going to throw the caveat here that it's not just Charlie Stramel on Wisconsin. Wisconsin didn't look very good in general in two games that I watched them play. Um, the biggest problem I have with what Stramel is doing is that he is not really generating anything in terms of off of his pass or, 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 or vision, and he his passing ability, puck skill under pressure, um, he was getting the puck taken away from him. He was p turning the puck over a lot. Um, I mean, he completed just 53% of his passes. He didn't complete a high-danger pass. Uh, he was involved in uh, just under 40% of his offensive transitions, which isn't terrible, but isn't, isn't great. He wasn't very successful in them either. Um, and the biggest concern, too, also, was that he was a 39% Corsi through two games, and that included a game uh, against Ohio State and Minnesota Duluth. So I guess for me, and then just like that's data set watching stream will play though he doesn't look comfortable and that's kind of like one of the, the the big things for me i thought he looked better against duluth it's the most recent game i'm hoping he trends up um but he was slated for me as a teens player like a like a, definitely a lottery pick going into this tracking exercise and he's outside the first round for me right now um so um that's probably the one player i think that's been hurt the most from this process for me is that i I feel like Charlie Stramel is a power forward, uh, maybe bottom six player right now. And I came into this thinking he could be a middle six and possibly even be a center. So I'm going to go with another trending down player. 
Um, I'm going to go with Cameron Allen. Um, so with Cameron Allen, I, I like, you know, I, I've watched him a few times throughout the season so far. And, you know, I, I, uh, sorry. Uh, I don't Give me one second. I'm going to have to. Um, no problem, Josh. Yeah. So, um, Cameron Allen. So, um, yeah, I, I've just been, I've just been like underwhelmed because, you know, going into the season, you know, there was a lot of hype around him, you know, being a, um, you know, being a very, very skillful, um, you know, um, offensive defenseman um you know and i you know and i remember when uh daniel cheka was in his dy minus one and i remember like i i remember watching cheka like pop like i mean you know like cheka pinched up you know he was in like he was involved at the down low like you know that like there was a lot to like about daniel cheka in his dy minus one and then he went over uh, to play in the uh, KHL defaulting. Well, KHL, some VHL and some MHL, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, and you know, it just wasn't. It just wasn't like the same because, like, I feel like the, you know, I feel like the, the the system that he was under in Russia was, you know, was more was more conservative. Um, you know, and um, you know, and the in the club valued his uh, you know, his size and you know, and his physicality, and so you know, and so that hurt him in the long run. Um, but you know, I, you know, but then um, and I can't remember if there's been any coaching changes at uh, sorry, with Guelph since, um, and maybe and maybe you know, man, but. Um, you know, but I, you know, but when I watch Cameron Allen, I just see him, you know, struggle to, uh, you know, to, you know, struggle to really identify those juicy lanes, um, you know, that he can utilize. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of shots from the point. Um, and he's got, and, and he's got really, really good mobility. And I just feel like he hasn't, figure out how to use that mobility quite yet. And, um, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's, you know, it sometimes takes players, you know, a little bit of time, you know, early on in their draft year to, you know, to really, to really figure things out. And, you know, and, you know, and he's definitely watching video, you know, and he's, you know, and he's only going to get better, but I, I think, but I think right now, I think he just doesn't, I just, he just isn't using his mobility to, you know, you know, to really get those um, lanes and, uh, you know, and pinch up, uh, you know, because he is a good finisher. He is a good finisher, but we just haven't, we just really haven't seen it um, in terms of consistency quite yet. So yeah, I'm no, I get the same vibe. 
I get the same vibe. I, I, mine of my biggest complaints from it is too many point shots. It's um, yes, puck, puck gets to him, and he doesn't walk. Excuse me, walk the puck uh, between inside the the, the face off dots. He kind of stays on the outside of the face off dots and is happy to take a very low danger shot. Um, when you know he can do more, uh, and that's probably the frustrating part is that it's not just um, a player that you have nothing know nothing about making this play. It's a play that a player that you expect to be able to to be an offensive catalyst for that team. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, and the hard part for me, you know, uh, you were on Revac's uh, podcast, which if uh, you're listening to this, go check out Josh on Revac's podcast. It was a really good listen, Josh. You did a great job. Um, also, you can learn about the history of SMART, which I did not know about until uh, the beginning of that podcast, which was awesome. Um, but Revac and I uh, last year kind of got together for Seamus Casey to talk about him. And one of the big things Revac and I talked a lot about was is Casey being coached to do something or is this who Casey is? You know what I mean? Um, because we saw offensive ability through the wazoo with him and he just wasn't using it. Do you think that, um, and this might be an unfair question to ask you, Josh, because I don't know the answer, but do you think Guelph is telling Cam to do these things? Or do you think this is just um, like the DNA of Cam Allen to, to operate offensively like this? It could just be, it could just be Cameron Allen, just not, um, you know, just not, you know, just not really comprehending exactly what he can do with his mobility. Because, I mean, there are moments, you know, uh, especially with his transitional play where it does click, but I don't, but I don't think it's quite clicked yet offensively. And so with that said, you know, when he feels, you know, you know, pressure coming, uh, so you know pressure coming at him um you know that only you know that only hurts his uh sorry that you know that you know that only hurts his uh you know confidence and then at that point you know he's taking a a low danger shot from the point so i so i don't so i'm not going to say it's the wolf coaching staff cuz like you know cuz like I mean, because, like, yeah, I mean, like, maybe they're telling him to play more conservatively. Because I think, what, I, I think I think the other night that I watched him, um, I think he was getting he was getting minutes with uh, Michael Bushinger. And Michael Bushinger is more of a, you know, more of a, um, uh, you know, more of a, um, you know, more of a non-conservative, uh, you know, approach-minded uh, defenseman. So, you know, so Michael Bushinger, you know, gets, um, you know, gets a, a little bit more involved down, uh, you know, down low. And so maybe as a result of, you know, who he's being paired with and, you know, actually we have Instat. We could, um, we could look up who he's being paired with. So one second. No, I asked that question um, not really because uh, I think it makes a, a big difference in the evaluation of a player, um, but more along the lines of the context uh, of how processes are, how he's processing the game. You know, I remember going to watch uh, high school prep hockey last year after watching it um, just through Instat and just you would hear the coaches yell, dump, dump, like they're being yelled at to make plays that we wouldn't grade out as great plays as a scout, but they're being screamed at to do it. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I was just wondering structurally if you thought that could be a thing. Yeah. I mean, it could, I mean, it could be, I, um, but then I look at it this way. You, 
the the scouting and front office team, I mean, they push for Cameron Allen because of his, um, you know, because of what he can do, um, you know, given, you know, given his mobility and, you know, and he can, you know, and he can truly mean, and he has the traits to be a truly dynamic offensive defenseman in the OHL. Um, without a doubt, I just don't like, I just don't think that, like, I just don't think that he's figured it all out yet in terms of, you know, in terms of what exactly he can do. And at the the same point, like, I'm looking at, you know, who he spends the most time with, um, out on the ice and he's spending time with, uh, Michael Bushinger, uh, Bowman. Uh, Danny Jokin, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So Braden Bowman, Danny Jokin, and Sasha Pasajov. He uh, that's 44 shifts, uh, um, in the last three games. Actually, last three. Let me. Sorry, um, sorry, folks. I wasn't paying attention, and I wanted to do the entire season. I mean, to date. So let me fix that. So shifts. Yeah, so Cameron Allen, Michael Bushinger, Danny Jokin, Sasha Pasajov, and uh Zhugin. Um can't I can't remember uh, can't remember Zhugin's uh, first name. Um that is Valentin Zhugin. Um yes, oh yes, I was watching him the other night. So yeah, so um yeah, so that's fifty seven shifts with um with them. Uh um and then um yeah so I mean he's prime he's primarily being paired with Michael Bushinger. So with that being said, when when you're being when you're being paired with Michael Bushinger, you know you you know you also have to be the fallback guy for I mean you know for your defensive uh sorry for your d- defensive paramate um you know should you know, should he get, you know, more involved, um, you know, down, um, you know, sorry, down like the D boards, um, and down in the corner, you know, you, you know, you have to be the guy that falls back. And so with that said, you know, Michael Bushinger might not be the right, you know, I mean, might not be the right offensive, uh, you know, partner for him. So, it could be that, um, you know, I, you know, I don't know. Like, it could be a mixture of things. I just, I just really, really, really hope that he turns the corner, you know, over these next few weeks. Um, and we start talking about him turning back up. No, and I, uh, truthfully, I, next, the I have three more forwards to go through and then defensemen's to hopefully be done by next week before we get to Europeans for the crossover for, um, scouting. So he is on the list that, that I'm going to be looking at. And, um, it's just interesting, you know, you're not the only person on our team who's talking about him in this matter. So, um, I'll be interested to see myself kind of like digging into his games, uh, recently to see what, what's going on with Cam. Um, we have, we did great. We agreed to do two. So I'm going to go quick for, for my one up, one down here for my, uh, my second one. Um, 
I'm gonna give a shout out to Jaden Perron. He was gonna be my my second one, um, but I forced I uh, was gonna force Soma to to pick this one this player because I couldn't decide between Jaden and this player. So I'm gonna say Grayson Salchin, um, for for trending up. And you have to do a trending up player, by the way. You have two trending ups to do, Josh. We gotta catch up. <laughs> um, so we got uh. So I'm gonna say real quick with we'll Grayson Salchin. He was outside my first round. Um, he was honorable mention, kind of kind of going into this process. Um, I was. I'm just thoroughly impressed with him. Um, I was really impressed with him last over the summer. Uh, he put, he came over from the um, NTTP to the WHL, plays for Seattle. Um, last year, he played in the games I tracked of him during the summer from last year. He played with Oliver Moore, Gabe Perot. Um, so this is when Will Smith was playing with the U18. So um, the three of them were dominant. And it was... Uh, he wasn't a passenger on the line, but he wasn't also the focal point of the line. Uh, Oliver Moore kind of kind of stole the show from him, um, but with him being the focal point of the line um, that he usually gets to play in Seattle, although he did get to play with the top line a little bit um, in one of the games, uh, his data set's ridiculous. Um, I mean, he he's taken six, uh, just about three high danger shots a game, seven shots a game. He has his second highest. Uh, total passes that go to high high medium danger areas, dangerous passes at 26% of his passes. He completes almost 89% of them. Uh, his transition numbers are fantastic. He's involved in 49, uh, 44% of them. The one area I'm concerned about him is that he he is, I don't want to say he's a bad skater. I think sometimes when he gets put under pressure, he has a penchant for, for making the easy play the safe play. Um, so when he doesn't transition the puck successfully, um, you know, if you've watched the Mighty Ducks, uh, any of you all, um, Dwayne Robertson's LU play, flipping it up at high, really high in the air, see if anyone can get it. It's a very popular play for, for Grayson. He's made it at least three times. He'll, he'll dump it deep, uh, which isn't a bad play, but he'll have opportunities to kind of reset by, by circling back. And instead of he just pushes forward as well. Um, but I, I mean... Honestly, it was just an outstanding two-game sample size from Grayson. And going and going off the summer where I, I was really high on him, but I didn't really know what I saw in an offensive upside. Um, I see – I don't – I'm not shocked that he's one of the uh, – if he's not still the leading rookie point producer in the WHL, that he was. I'm not shocked that he was um, because he's getting to the – he's getting to dangerous areas of the ice five on five. He's making amazing passes um, at five on five, and he's getting power play time. So um, – I, I think that's a, a player that I started off thinking maybe would fall to the beginning of the early second round in our rankings that I'm going to be pushing pretty hard to, to get into our first round. Um, as for my one player down, I'll be very quick. It's Matthew Wood from UConn. Um, I was hopeful that maybe after the Holinka I would turn around on him. Um, but the skating is a huge issue for him in, in the NCAA. I did one game against Boston, one game against Union. So um, pretty high top 10 ranked team. And then a team I thought that he he could dominate. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot of skill from the waist up. It's just he struggles to move about the ice. Um, you know, his passing is he when he, he can complete a pass, but he can't get to the dangerous parts of the ice. He only took uh total, and he's a great shooter. He took, gosh, one shot in two games, and it wasn't a high-danger shot. Um, and he's got sight. I think he's like one point off a point per game right now, too. Um the skating is going to be a huge problem for him. It's it's proving to be a big problem for him in terms of being a dominant force in the NCAA. Um, that I pushed him outside to the second round. I don't know if the skating can be... I'm not a skating expert, but the, it is becoming a, a bigger problem for him as he's playing against faster, bigger competition in the NCAA.
Yeah, so Josh, I mean, you owe me a, someone that you're high on. Okay, well, I was about to comment on Matthew Wood, though, too. Cause, so I saw him the other night. Again, it's BU. Um, and, you know, with Matthew Wood, you know, I, you know, you, you know, you hit the nail on the, uh, sorry, you hit the nail on the head here. Um, um, like, yeah, I mean, like, his skating is definitely holding him back. And, you know, what it's prohibiting him from now is, you know, being a dominant force in the defensive zone, you know, and using, you know, and using his size. Um, and, um, you know, and, you know, and when you see him, you know, sorry, when you see him on defensive zone starts, um, you know, face-off draws, um, you know, you're likely to see a more physical Matthew Wood, but, you know, when there are shifts in which, you know, UConn's pushing play up the ice, and then at a point they have to fall back and go back into their own zone, you know, Wood... You know that's where you really, really want Wood, um, you know, to you know to use his physicality, to use his size, and you know, unfortunately, you know, he was the you know he was the last man you know back, um, you know, for a number of shifts. So yeah. no, I I would say like you hit it on the head. He needs to. He's he can't he's trying to get himself ahead of he's trying to read plays two steps ahead so he can get out in space and, and mitigate his skating problems. But the problem is even when he gets a step, it's the step isn't good enough. And that it's still be like he's he's really good when in zone cycle game and he it's skill and he can use his get his butt on someone and use his skill. But like if he if he has to and his hands are fantastic. Like he's made some sick plays with his hands to get through, but usually they get right back on top of him so fast. So I'll kick it over to you, Josh. Okay, so I'm gonna go pretty quickly here because I want to get to mailbag. Um, so, um, so uh, Michael Harabel is trending up for me. Uh, if you haven't watched him, go watch him. He is. Um, he's playing. Uh, sorry, he's a goaltender playing for the Omaha Lancers. Um, he is big, big, big boy. Um, he's, uh, I think he's like six, I think he's six, six. Um, and, um, he, and he towers in that he takes away space. Um, and he's, um, and he's, he's very, uh, he's very athletic as well. Um, there's just a lot to like with Harabal. Um, he is a university of Massachusetts commit. Uh, so he will be playing for the Minutemen um, at some point and uh, might be playing with Scott Morrow. Who knows? Um, so, uh, so yeah. So Michael Harabo, um is one for me. Hmm. Next trending up. Trending up player. I like okay. I like Tanner Molendike. I um so I 
so I watched him uh, a few nights back, um, and uh, I really, really like Tanner Mullendyke. He, he's, um, you know, he, you know, I love his mobility and what, um, you know, and what he and what he can do with it. Um, it, it very much reminded me of you know Olin Zellweger type mobility and um you know and I you know and I feel like that and I feel like that Saskatoon Blades team is going to be fun this year and so yes the um yes the type of hockey that I dread the power play I can definitely see Tanner Mullendyke being <laughs> an asset on the power play um, so um uh so yes so Tanner Mullendyke is trending up for me uh and he'll be a great asset on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll be honest with you. I love Tanner. Uh, I haven't, I'll, I don't have a, any, any data on him whatsoever, but uh, he was one of my favorites to watch going in over the summer. And definitely uh, as we get into ranking season, I'm hoping he, he, he keeps it going. Um, so let's get into mailbag. Let's do uh, this. You've got mail. Uh, You've got mail. I'm going to Twitter. So this is a little bit slow. Um, sorry, give me one second. Okay. So, uh, we got a question here. Um, who are your early favorite for uh, favorites for best goaltenders in this draft? And where do you think they should go? Oh, this question scares me because, you know, it, you know, we are only a few weeks in. But um, Michael Harabal, um, oh, sorry, and that uh, certain that question was uh, submitted by uh, Brigstu eighty six on Twitter, uh, and you can find him over at uh, Pension Plan Puppets. Um, uh, good, uh, sorry, good friend of Smot Scouting. Um, so, yes, yeah, so uh early favorites in in net um yeah, so for me so far, I mean, you know, we just talked about michael harabal uh uh for medicine hat um he's looked good um I was watching him uh a few a few nights back and I loved his play in terms of um um sorry in terms of con- controlling rebounds uh from um sorry from medium and high sorry and off of medium and high danger opportunities um but for some reason uh he struggled with low danger uh shots from the boards um that went uh you know that went glove high so um, you know, so he was definitely having, so he was definitely having problems with his, um, you know, with his glove that night against Brandon, but, um, but in general, he just looked, I mean, I mean, he, I mean, he just looked great. Um, and I, thir- and I thoroughly enjoyed that viewing, um, aside from, uh, aside from, uh, and I, sorry, and I didn't say his first name, Carson, Carson Bjarnason. Uh, for Medicine Hat, um, after Bjarnason, 
let me think here. Um, Scott Ratzlaff um, is another goaltender uh, to keep an eye on. Um, there's a Swede that I've been meaning to watch, Noah er, uh, Noah Erlidin. Um, I haven't uh, um, sorry, I haven't watched him yet. Um, so uh, so so feel free to ask me about him in the next few weeks. Um, or I might, or I might bring him up. <laughs> um, no, the only, uh, you, you hit all the ones I was going to say, Jacob Fowler is the only one in the USHL, um, plays for Youngstown. So watching, seeing him, I, I'm not a goalie scout, but, uh, he's been pretty impressive when I've been watching White Law and, um, I've watched a few games when Whitestown's played, including today's 5-2 NDTB game, but, um, he's been pretty impressive as well. Um, next question. Uh, this is uh, submitted by JD Young um, um, at my Fryhole on Twitter. Um, also, a friend of Smart Scouting, uh, host of Locked On Sharks. Uh, follow them. Uh, JD's podcast is awesome. Been on there a few times. I think you've been on there as well. Um, and every time I go on, it's a blast talking with him. Uh, go Sharks. Um, so yeah, so in how many drafts? Um, sorry, in how many drafts out of the past ten would Adam Fantilli go first in? All right, so I got it. I've I've thought a lot about this one, Josh. This one, JD, haven't been on your podcast. Great question. You spent made me spend about thirty minutes actually thinking about this question because I thought this would be easy, and you threw this at me. So Josh, here are the players. If you haven't have it pulled off, all right. So we're talking Adam Fantilli, top number one overall, right? Um, you can say yes or no, but 2022 year of Sikorsky, do you have an answer right away? Or you want, you want me to list them off? I don't feel good about it, but I I don't feel good about it. Really? Oh, see, I, I have, I would take Fantilli. So here, for those of you listening, here are the number one picks for the last 10 years. 2022, Yuri Slavkovsky. 2021, Owen Power. 2020, Alexis, so, Alexei Lafreniere. 2019, so, Jack Hughes. You want to interrupt? So, What's going on, Josh? So before, so b- before you keep going, the reason why I'm feeling kind of like meh about it is because we've still barely seen Adam Fantilli play this year. I mean, like, I, you know, like, I, like, I want like I want to get to like the halfway mark, and so like I feel like the this question's hard because like because like my heart, I mean, because like my heart and my gut say yes, but there's a part of me that's just like I haven't seen enough. Of the, like I like, understand. Like, I will say so... this: I watched a ton of USA hockey this summer, and uh, the Chicago Steel is a very common opponent I'm watching of USHL because they're usually the best team that it's an easy one to track against an easy one to get. So I watched a lot of Fantilli. I will say this going into this year, I knew he was really good defensively. The offensive stuff has been really good to see. I, I, I don't want to say I was questionable on it, um, but I didn't think he would be producing as high as he would this year. Um, I know it's, it's odd though. It's like, you know, you have Sokoski, power, Lafreniere, Hughes in 2019, Darlene in 2018, Her- Heesher in 2017, Matthews in 2016, McDavid in 2015, Ekblad in 2014, and McKinnon in 2013. You know Personally, 
I would take Fantilli right now over Savkowski, Power, and Heesher easily, and Ekblad easily right now. Like, the ones I struggle, and I wouldn't take him over uh, McDavid, Matthews, and Darlene, uh easily. Like, those three would easily go. Where I struggle, to be honest with you, is uh, Lafreniere, Hughes, and um, well, McKinnon. I, I wouldn't take him over McKinnon, but that was the early days of my scouting. But, uh, yeah, it would be like Lafreniere, Hughes are really the uh, the ones I struggle with the most. Like, if what I would take them over those two. And I'd go back and forth to where I was in 2020 and 21, or 19 and 20, and I'd, I'm, I'm torn. <laughs> so, J.D., I don't – I would say – I would say I like him probably more than Alexei Lafreniere. I wasn't the greatest Lafreniere fan in the queue, but Jack Hughes I was in love with. So, I don't know if I would have ever – I don't – I think that would have been a coin flip for me. So, I would take him over Uri Slavkovsky. Um, I would take him, uh, so, so it's 2022, 2021, uh, Owen Power. Uh, yes, I would take him over Owen Power. Uh, 2020 was, um, Alexis Lafreniere. I would, um, who's 2019? Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. I take Jack Hughes over him. Um, twenty eighteen. Dalene, no, I take. Um, no, I take Dalene over him. Seventeenth year. I feel like at that point it's hard because, like, now we're talking about like players that are like. Like the age gap is just so wide. I mean, on paper it doesn't look that wide, but that's nine. I remember I would have taken Nolan Patrick over Heisher, and I remember watching Nolan Patrick live. And Fantilli is way better than Nolan Patrick, and that's how I ended up. I would definitely take Fantilli. I'm going strictly off of that that correlation right there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Fantilli over Nico. I'm stopping at Matthews. <laughs> I know it's like Matthews McDavid. You 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 can't take Fantilli over those two, um, especially right now. Ekblad, uh, I that was a I remember that being like uh, that was the Sam Reinhardt draft for us, uh, and I would have taken Fantilli a hundred times over Sam Reinhardt, and um, who went number two, I believe, and then uh, McKinnon. I McKinnon's draft is kind of like the first one where I actually started knowing players, and I. Don't remember anything, but knowing what McKinnon is now, I probably would fall in love with him. So, what's our next uh, question over here, Joshua? Uh, to- from Tony Ferrari, uh, from the Hockey News. Go follow Tony Ferrari at the Tony Ferrari, um, and uh, the the Baldus Scout. Um, yes, the Baldus Scout. Uh, has sent us a question, and he says, "What's your take on Luca Pinelli, and how sus- how sustainable is his hot start?" And I saw that you reply back and said, "The best is bald scout asking the good questions." I like this one, so I feel like you've got a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, I, I'm glad. So uh, Pinelli is what he he's in my first round, um, and I I'm glad people are talking about him. Um, he plays for the Ottawa 67s. He plays on their top line with Vince's Roar and Tyler Boucher. Um, I'm gonna give the answer to Tony's question um, first, and then I'm gonna go a little bit longer explanation about like where I'm at with him. So I think for when it comes to Pinelli, it's all about opportunity in terms of keeping his points. Um, he's playing on the top line. He's getting great power play opportunities. Um, I like his skill. I like his speed. He hasn't put it all together yet. And so what I mean by that is that. Wait, wait, but you didn't mention the best part is stick handling. Yeah, his stick handling is great. The problem is, is that he is great. He's great in everything besides the entry. Like his point product, he could carry his own line. And this is my own opinion here. He could carry his own line if he was able to make a move at the blue line uh, on the offensive blue line coming in. That was more speed deception because he cut, he he attacks you with space or with speed and with with a quick with, with a quick stick handling move. And if you don't fall for it, he tries to beat you on the wall, and that's when he gets pushed out. And that's honestly the only part of his game that is kind of like his data set is like oh a little bit about is that like his success rate going in for uh, offensive zone transitions should be higher. Because he has amazing skill and amazing speed and agility. Um, the other part to it is that he's only attempting about 6% of his passes to high, medium, danger areas. Uh, and he's a pretty prolific passer. Uh, he had one game that was pretty off. But in the next game, he had 23 passes in one game. If he did that twice, he'd almost be Andrew Cristal levels. Um, so I think he's got immense potential. Um I think that his biggest issue right now is going to be consistency in uh, what his move will be at the blue line um, and making sure that when he gets over the blue line, he's actually looking to danger, like looking to make a play. Like he, he makes very conservative safe. He moves the puck around so well. I mean, he's completing 77% of his passes right now. Um, and one of the most impressive things with him is he's involved in about 42% of the offensive, successful offensive transitions playing with Vince's Roar and Tyler Boucher. And I'm not saying Tyler Boucher is a puck carrier or a transporter of the puck in the neutral zone, but playing with overage players as a draft eligible and being involved that much is super impressive to me. Um, he gets So, I don't know. I, I love his game. I think he's one of those players that I look in the same vein as William Whitelaw, that their their skill level is a bigger, is so high, and maybe the data set isn't perfect, but like with a few small adjustments, like they could really just pop off. Um, so the to answer to Tony's question, I don't see this being like I see him staying as long as the opportunity stays there and nothing else changes. He's going to stay continue to be a point producer if he finds the dangerous areas that I with his passes and if he can just make a couple more like a couple more offensive zone transitions where it's successful instead of just getting pinned off on the boards. Like his points could even get even more. Like he could be he could explode. So um, huge Luca Pinelli fan. Um, I think I have him advocating spoiler for like uh, around the 20 to 23 range right now. Okay, next question uh, from uh, Jordan Millette, our our good buddy uh, at Smot Scouting, Jordan Millette. He you're asks, a good buddy. I don't know what you're talking about with me. Uh, well, he'll be on the podcast next week. So, <laughs> uh, are you gonna are you are you gonna be cough cough sick? No, I'm going to bring up the question I asked in the uh, next week. Um. <laughs> so, um, okay, and what's that? 
Uh, who are you firing, me or Jordan? Oh, no, no, no one. No, no I'm just joking. I, I freaking love Jordan. Just so, just so everyone's aware that every you see, if you look at like my Twitter thing, and you see Jordan saying my list sucks. Like we just give each other crap nonstop. I love the kid. Um, so he has us to rank Jaeger, Crystal, Benson. Um, for me, it's Benson, Crystal, Jaeger. Um, I. I like Brady Hager's shot. I don't really think he carries his line. I think I don't I don't know if the I don't know if him at center makes sense long term. No. So I go Andrew Cristal over him. So um just for the record, I agree with you, but for the sake of, uh, for, for having fun on this podcast, I have Cristal in the same tier as Benson. So I'm going to make the argument for Cristal over Benson right now. So honestly, it's close to me. I think on our rankings, they'll be a little bit farther apart, given the Europeans that are going to kind of fall in between the two of them. But if we were just doing North Americans, it would be Benson white or Benson Cristal for me. And it would be, and I can make this argument. So just. I mean, from a data standpoint, we'll start there. If I took Benson's two-game just passing attempt number, it's 40. If I took Cristal's completed passes, not even passing attempts, completed passes, it's 38. He's completed two less passes than Benson's attempted. He has uh, completed more dangerous passes than Benson has attempted by four. Um, Andrew Cristal is a playmaking freak. Like, in terms of, like, getting pucks to dangerous areas, getting pucks in and out. He, his data is outrageous. He's involved in 50% of all transitions for, for Kelowna. Um, I don't understand how he doesn't have like 30 points by now. I assume people can't put the puck all the time in the, he's, I mean, it's ridiculous. He's third in the set he, for, he has attempted over 58 passes, which is like 18 more than anyone else. And he's still third in the data set in terms of how many of those passes go to dangerous areas. Um, he's he's taking seven shots, three and a half shots a game, five on five. That doesn't even include the, the ridiculous power play time he has. Now, where Benson definitely has him is in the defensive game. Um, and uh, Benson is... Uh, ben, gosh. Was it David St. Louis, Cam Robinson? I saw the tweet yesterday. I laughed my butt off. It was like uh, they compared him to a food, and it was like the best vanilla ever. Uh, and I was like, that's Benson is a Benson's amazing. Like he he's good in all three zones. Best he's a great 200 foot player. I can't argue for it. But if I was gonna be a fantasy player and say who's gonna have more points, I might I would bet Cristal over Benson. But I would put Benson ahead ranking wise, Jordan, just so you know. Okay, next question. Um this is sent in by Douglas 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 uh, uh, one on, on Twitter. Uh, he said, "I'm a spoke Spokane native, uh, and I've been you know been getting back into following the Spokane Chiefs. Is there anyone on their roster that you would consider being a sneaky pick in the upcoming draft? Also curious to hear your thoughts on Sage Weinstein. Thanks. So this question." Um, 
it's still early and I don't and I don't think that there's a prospect on Spokane uh that you know that gets taken early. Yeah, um, I agree. And um I was intrigued um when I watched some highlights um of um of five v five point production from uh Cooper Gazowski. Uh he is a uh he is a draft eligible prospect uh for the twenty twenty three NHL draft class. Um I have to do more homework on him. Uh but um yeah, but there were yeah, but there were a few um nice highlights that I caught that I enjoyed. I but I you know, but I need to do my homework on him. Um Sage Weinstein I think is a I think he's a defensive defenseman who you can get a decent amount of physicality from um I don't think he's figured out like like I don't think he's figured out how to consistently take away space um you know but it you know but we're still early on in the year um I like I watch like I watched him earlier today and I look at him and and then I look at other guys in like the dub um, you know, who I think are a bit stronger to the puck. Um, you know, who you know, who definitely play a more, you know, well rounded physical uh game. And Carter Sotherin comes to mind from the uh from the Portland Winterhawks. Um uh so yeah, so I you know, so I don't know what Sage Weinstein is quite yet, but right now, but but to this point, I've seen a defensive defenseman with you know with a decent amount of physicality. Um, he's just gotta, you know, he's just gotta put it all t- together. Um, don't disagree. I uh, there's three for me on this team. Uh, you hit everything perfect with Weinstein, uh, defensive defenseman, which means uh, he's listed uh, on my little sheet as uh, I'll look at him when we start talking top 96, which is third round for us. Um, it, to me, the first two rounds are you have to have some offensive ability and um, Weinstein hasn't really shown it yet. I'll, I'm going to watch this team because of the next two guys I'm going to talk about um, are one of them's in the top was out. You kind of hit Kozowski. Um, he's in, he's in my conversation for the next ranking we might have in the top 64. I'm going to do a lot of stuff with him there. Um, it, he was good, not great. Um, it could improve over the next two months and he can, he can make, he can make a jump. He's one of those players who can make a jump. Um, the only other one I had is the Italian Tommaso De Luca. Um, he, he's in the conversation for maybe, maybe a ranking from us. Um, but he's not going to go super early. Um, I was looking at the Spokane Chiefs earlier today, um, you know, as I was preparing for the podcast and, you know, and just looking at the raw stats um, and um, we look up here on uh, Instat um, and, you know, and the guys that are driving the most production, um, you know, are the overagers. Um, so, uh, at even strength, uh, Ty Shovel Day Off, uh, uh, Chase uh, Chase Bertolette, 
um, you know, those, um, you know, anybody that's, you know, anybody that's con that's constantly, you know, uh, delivering at five at five e five, uh, you know, consistently, you know, those are guys to watch. Any, you know, anybody that is, you know, that is doing a good job of, um, you know, of of finding those passing lanes, uh, to key up medium and uh and high danger chances like you know like those are are you know like those are guys to watch um so um but yeah but uh in terms of but in terms of like five to five producers uh yeah so far it looks like chase uh Bertolette, uh and uh ty shovel day off are um are guys to watch on spokane um i um but um but yeah but i haven't watched uh but i haven't watched a lot of them but uh uh but yeah but uh but yeah but anybody that's driving 5 and 5 uh points i like so cool um next up and uh this is the last question um this is submitted by Christoph uh, Alter uh, uh what are your thoughts on Paul Fisher from the US NTDP. Uh, I haven't really read or heard his name at all, but he seems to play a big role on his team and his stats for last year, especially this year, look decent so far for a defenseman. Thanks. What do you think of Paul Fisher? Throwing it right to me, Josh. I see how it is. Um, I don't hate. Paul Fisher at all? I think he's uh, he's he's in, he's in the conversation for my top sixty-four. I the offensive ability, I think, is a lot more. He's a very smart defenseman in terms of moving pucks. Um, uh, the offensive, uh, like when I think of like offensive defenseman, I think of like the pucks on the blue line. What move do you have to get by the oncoming forward to get? You know, like what is your what is your move at the blue line, or what is your rush offense? Um, Paul is very much a um, a very smart puck mover he he gets involved he'll he'll activate from the blue line there's no i mean the ntb ndtb is very good at, at letting their defensemen activate um and paul is probably the premier um but i will say this um while i don't have him in my first round i had and i'm gonna mispronounce his name and i did not anticipate talking about him tonight so i might look him up first um but i had rm uh gosh you know who i'm talking about rm minute it's with an M. Um, Minishian? Yeah. RM Minishian. I, he was, he's a great skater, and I had I thought he would be the one who pops, and it's been Paul Fisher who pops as a draft eligible. But if you're asking me who the best defenseman in the NDDP is, it's a two, 2024 defenseman, uh, although he it, it's Zeb Bulliam. Um, I thought I think he looks fantastic every time I watch him play. But, um, you know, I'll, I'm definitely going to look into Paul. Um, I, don't, I think he's definitely draft excuse me, draft eligible, definitely a top two, three round player, but um, I didn't see the offensive kind of like cre creativity that I've seen from like the Caden Prices, the Luca Cagnonis, the, even the, even though he's trending down the Cam Allens, you know what I mean? The yeah. the Maxim Gulialovs, or uh, I don't know if I even said his name, or Gulialov from Russia that I've Gugliel. watched one game of. <laughs> watched one game of, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this kid. Um, <laughs> so, or Axel, uh, from the Helenka where I was like, oh my god, like so, I think he's he's definitely going to be a top top three round player. Um, I don't know if you've watched him at all. 
I watched the game today. He's made he made some cool plays, but um, nothing that was I was clipping. Um, I honestly haven't watched a ton of Paul Fisher. Um, I uh, I I, I really need to watch more uh, U.S. NTDP. Um, that's just uh, that's just been a gap for me. Uh, um, to this point in the season. Um, but, uh, but with that said, I did like Paul Fisher, um, uh, in the small sample that I have of him. Um, and I, and I remember liking his defensive play quite a bit. I just, you know, my sample's just not, you know, lengthy enough to, um, you know, to, you know, to go quite in depth quite yet. Um, so, uh, um, so yeah, so the USNTDP is, uh, on my, on my list of, uh, teams to circle back on. So, so yeah, um, yeah, uh, thank you to everybody for submitting questions, uh, except for you, Jordan, through the mailbag, uh, except Jordan. Wow. That's harsh. Um, uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting next week. Uh, with Jordan, you, Jordan in the booth, um, uh, and uh, sorry and sorry about my doggo making noise. Um, she made noise once again uh, a couple minutes back when my wife got home, so she was all so she was all riled up. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, so uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, go watch David Yerichek. It's going to be a fun watch, um, and I and I can't wait to see what he does against the Bruins. Um, and go listen to Josh on the Craig Reback po- podcast. Do you remember the name of it? It's Hockey. I'm sorry, but I don't have the stuff at the top hockey of my head. IQ? The Hockey uh, IQ podcast. I'm pretty sure with Coach Reback, Coach Greg Reback. Go listen to it. Great. Uh, uh, I thoroughly enjoy doing that uh, interview. Um, also, I want to plug uh, Tony Ferrari's new podcast that he's doing with uh, Brock Otten. Um, uh, I haven't actually listened to it yet. I've uh, been meaning to. Um, definitely go check that out. Um, the Hockey News seems to be pumping out quite a bit of uh, um, of uh, of CHL podcast lately uh they've got one for the queue uh with i think jamie tozer from i think he does uh the there's a there's a saint john sea dog blog i think it's called like station line um yeah yeah definitely go check them out um so yeah so the hockey news is quite a few podcasts going on liz child um is uh co-host co-hosting the one for the dub um and yeah um yeah definitely yeah definitely go check out those podcasts um and uh and yeah um it'll be great next week jordan and i are gonna hash out our list uh for for north american players so it will be a fun pro uh, jordan jordan's a fantastic list and he's a very smart guy so I, I look forward to next week i hope you enjoyed this podcast as well yep yep thank you and uh see you next week and uh I 
hopefully the Bills win because if that's the case, uh, they'll be happy on the podcast. If not, oi. Look, Raging Austin's hilarious. Uh, go Bills. Go, go Patriots. Uh, and for and for my buddy Tony Ferrari, go Ravens tonight. Or well, last night because it's coming out. It's coming out tomorrow. Uh, today, uh, <laughs> just go watch David Yerchek. Okay, bye guys.